was great. Good feedback. Good to be back. Nice warm weather. Let's see. Let's see. 90, 95, negative 7. Which, which should we choose, huh? I don't know. Well, it is good to be back, and it's good to see you all. And uh, so what do you think we ought to talk about this morning? Jesus. Jesus is a good topic, isn't it? Well, happy Valentine's Day to everyone. And we could talk about Valentine's Day, couldn't we? I mean, it's, it's, it seems like it's a pagan holiday, but interestingly enough, if uh, you get Bob Lacoste's blog, he's been kind of doing a thing on, on, on Valentine's and Valentine's Day. And it's actually after, there was a real guy by the name of Valentine, or St. Valentine, and he lived in, in around 250 A.D., and so he's a real guy, and... Uh, this guy had quite a strong faith, and in the end, uh, he, he was martyred. I mean, he, uh, I, I think it was Claudius too put air between his head and his shoulders uh, for his faith. And uh, kind of an interesting story. So we, we could talk about that, but we're not going to do that. We could talk about the stock market too, huh? It's a pretty, pretty uplifting topic. Uh, keep watching that economy, though. Uh, although I had it wrong in September that that would be the end. I, I think... What you saw in August and September actually was the beginning of the end, and you're seeing a deepening right now. Just keep watching. You're seeing a deepening all around the world from Japan to China to Europe, their banks, uh, to America. Keep, keep watching. Uh, I, I still really believe we're seeing and we live in the end of days, and we could talk about that, but we're not going to talk about that this morning. What we are going to talk about, though, is being a missionary. That's what we're going to talk about. Father, I thank you so much for those that were able to come out this morning. I believe you drew each and every one of them, and God blessed them. We pray for those that were unable to make out. We pray that they're well. We miss them. We're a family, and when anyone's missing, we miss those family members. And so I ask for your blessing upon them. And as we talk about missions this morning, I really ask, Holy Spirit, that you would just come even in greater measure right now. Would you give us soft hearts to receive? Would you give us ears that could really hear the difference between the temporal and the eternal? I pray that you will really fill me from the soles of my feet to the crown of my head, and that I will speak your words in a bold but yet loving fashion. And so I'm thankful for what you're going to do now in these next several minutes. And I just praise you in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Just got back uh, yesterday. Flew in uh, from uh, Bangalore. And I was so thankful to serve with uh, John Stewart and Steve Jakes. Uh, It was uh, awesome trips. If I seem like I'm an airhead this morning, I am. So just have to excuse that. Uh, I wish I had more pictures. We have tons of them, uh, tons of pictures. You're going to see a, a few brief videos, but, uh, and hopefully we'll have an uh, agape meal so that you can get the full breath, a little bit of what's happening in India. If, if, if you go there, it does change your life. It certainly won't. I want to talk about that. But before I do, what you saw there was not India. Hopefully you recognize that. That was Africa, you know. 
Tanzania, actually, and that, that's the Gilzons. And I'd just like to talk about the Gilzons just for a moment, Mark and Jody and their family. And you saw there on the video just some of the awesome work that is going on in uh, the Rukwa Valley. They're, they're reaching those people. They're by and large an un, un, unreached people. And it's just a fabulous job uh, that Mark and Jody and their family are doing. I mean, not only in, in a place that's just desolate, they, they set up a medical missions and, and they're serving the medical needs of these people in the Rukwa Valley. Uh, they also are feeding on a daily, this blew me away, they're, they're feeding some 500 people a day. I, I, I can't give you the exact name because I'd butcher it, so I'm going to call it gruel, all right? And uh, there's 500, 500 people a day, they're serving the, this gruel. And so I wanna, we're going to give you an opportunity to have fun, you know. Forget lunch, we got it for you. We're going to be serving you some gruel that they're, they're getting, you know, after the service. We're going to give you a little cup so you just get an idea of, of what it's like to eat over there. Uh, and if nothing else, you're going to grow an appreciation for America and American food, all right? So we're going to do that uh, after the service. So please, uh, we'll, we'll be serving it there. You can see the table will be set up, and we'll be serving it there. But um, what I want to say about the Gilzons is, uh, you know, I think it is awesome what they're doing medically and, and how they're meeting these people's needs physically in terms of food. But you know what their real heart's desire is? To meet their greatest need. You know what the greatest need of those people and everyone else? The greatest need is the soul. A human being comes into this world and our souls, we are broken. We are empty. We are dark. Maybe you feel that way this morning. That's the plight. That's the greatest need. And, and the Gilzons, what their hope is, is through meeting their medical needs, meeting their, their food needs, that they can meet their greatest need by sharing the good news of Jesus Christ that can begin to fill their souls up, begin to bring healing and mending, connect them to the living God. That's really what their heart's desire is to do. They want to replace the darkness on the inside with the light of Jesus Christ, and there's nothing, in my opinion, greater, nothing more fundamental in life than doing that. And I am so happy. I am so happy that we are a part of what they are doing. And God bless you for supporting them. And I, we're going to continue to support. This is what we're doing with our missions and so doing these kinds of things. Maybe you can't go over there, but by you giving your dollars, by you praying, you are helping them bring light into darkness. And I thank you. I do. From the bottom of my heart, I thank you for what you're doing. So. Now, having said that, I, I'd like to talk about India just for a moment. You know, we're not going to spend a lot of time there. But, you know, every time that I go to India, uh, it, it simply overwhelms me. I, I can't describe it any more than you get out of the airport and they kind of fool you. Because if you go to the airport, the airport's actually pretty nice. And you're weaving your way through and you see palm trees, you see roses, and you go, wow, this isn't such a bad place. But get about three miles past that, and it's, the only thing I can come up with is it's vile, it's, it's hopeless. And it, it just undoes me every time I go there. I mean, 
Cows are sacred. And people are starving. Cows are sacred. And people literally are starving there by the millions. And then you've got, you you can't help but be undone when you see parents who are starving. And they'll take a 13, a 14, a 15-year-old girl. And they, their girl, can you imagine if you're a father, your daughter, and you bring her to a temple, and she becomes a temple prostitute. And you get $28 a month. How desperate do you have to be to want to do that? Within five years, Samuel says, Pastor Samuel over there where we support, those young girls are spent, riddled with all kinds of sexual disease. I want you to understand the plight of what's going on around the world. It's so easy. We live in a bubble and it blows my mind that you could do this. And by the end, they're spent, they're riddled with venereal disease and quite often they have a baby and they're just sitting alongside the road and they're waiting to die. That's kind of what you see in India and the hopelessness that you see in India. Trash is everywhere. Oh, I'm not kidding. You, get out. you think I'm kidding. There is just garbage everywhere. People are just... Bangalore you go into is a city of 10 million, and you got people just milling around. So many of them, they're, they're hungry. They're just begging for food. 40% of India is what we call the untouchable class. Pariah. 40%. Can you believe that? That means that they're living on anywhere from about $0 a day to maybe $10 a day. How would you like to feed your family on that? Give that a whack or two. These people, the pariah class, these untouchables, I want you to get this now. They have no hope. You can go preach in the prosperity gospel. You can preach in the power of positive thinking. You can do whatever you want. They're not getting out of it. There's no hope of a nice, comfortable life. You know, the nice white colonial house, the white picket fence. Ain't happening. Not gonna happen. For 40% of these people, they just live Most of them in squalor and dirt. You know what their great hope is? Their great hope is to die so that they can be reincarnated into a higher class. Can you imagine that? Their greatest hope is that they can die so that they can be reincarnated into a higher class. You know? I don't know how someone lives without God and Jesus Christ. Because if all there is to this life is this life, it is, let me tell you, it's a cruel joke. It is a cruel joke for the vast majority of people. It's a cruel joke for, you know, these Indians. An absolute cruel joke. 1.3 billion people in India One billion of them, over one billion of them, don't know Christ. Don't know Christ. 
And really all they've got is this life. It's a cruel, cruel world. It's a cruel, cruel joke. That just gives you a slight picture about Indy. So you say, well, Frank, why do you go? (laughs) You say, why in the world would you want to go to India? Well, let me tell you, it's not exactly a fun place. I, I will be honest. Uh, in fact, if it wasn't for Steve Jakes and kicking my rear end, I'm not sure I would have gone, honestly. I mean, if it wasn't for the man, I probably would not have gone. It's not somewhere I look. I mean, it's, it's hot. You know what hell is like? Just go to India. You get a rough idea just being in it. it it's hot. I don't know how these people make it because you just got hot, hotter, and hottest. Those are, those are basically the temperatures in India. It smells, okay? It smells there. It takes about 21 hours to get to India. And the food, well, we're not even going to go there and talk about the food. And by the time you get there, your body clock is just all messed up. So why in the world would any normal thinking person want to go to India let me just show you why. Skip, can you play those two quick videos? Just, just take this in, would you? That's just a small portion. That, that was a conference, a pastor's conference with, with their wives. At where This guy, he, he's an Indian. He's sweating, so you can imagine what I was doing. There ain't no air conditioning in there. And guess what? They, they got all the windows closed. They got everything closed up. The doors are closed, and you got these little ceiling fans. Because, see, we were in Mysore, and there's persecution there. And so they didn't want anything to get out because we were, you know, telling them how bad Hinduism was. At least I was offending everybody. Modi, we just hit it all, you know. And uh, so, I mean, that's what it was like. I mean, it was like a kind of a, a sweat box there. But I want you to see, when I, when I go there and I see, see these people worship, I mean, the, basically what you're looking at is the untouchable class. And you see, no, no, you just see these people and, you know, the music starts, and they just start, I mean, it's unbelievable. They just start worshiping. You didn't even see some of the music. They're hopping. They're, it, it's hot now, okay? And I mean, and tears are streaming down their face as they're just worshiping. They're in the presence of God. These people inspire me. I mean, it's weird. I'm going over there to teach them, all right? But they're inspiring me. They really show you, you don't need. No, you don't need. See, you thought you had a problem. I don't have a problem. And they show you, really, they show you that God is enough. See, sometimes we, we, we get so locked up in our own little worlds. 
And we think our problems are so great. These people teach you that God is, in fact, enough. He really does work. I mean, there are so many different stories that I could tell you, but I'm not going to tell you, you know, that. One of the things, though, other than they inspire me, these people have such an incredible, incredible passion for the lost people. I mean, they really really have an incredible passion to reach the lost people there. And I'll tell you, it's just their passion for the lost people is absolutely incredible. These Indian people love, they love the Indian people. They love their country. Their heart's desire more than anything else is to reach these lost people. And I'll tell you what, it uh, puts me to shame. They have nothing, and their whole goal is they see what I just talked to you about, the hopelessness, and their whole goal in life is to get the word of God, to get this out to these people so that they can have the hope and the incredible joy that they have, even though they have nothing. You know, we talk about love. We talk about the importance of love. You got to ask yourself, how much do you love? How much do you love your lost family member? How much do you really love your lost neighbor? How much do you really love your lost coworker and you say nothing. I mean, really, they, t- they talk, how badly do I have to, to hate these people not to tell them that there's a heaven and hell? You see, God is so real to them. Heaven and hell is so real to them. They can't sit down and just, so they, they go to these worship stores, they get filled up, and they got to go out. And let me tell you, go to my store, they're taking their lives into their hands. And so how badly, I had to think to myself, how, you know, because, well, I, I'm embarrassed, you know, what will they might think? They might think I'm one of the radical, fundamental Christians. No, these guys really believe They really, really believe, and they challenge my faith. I go there, and I'm challenged. How much do I really believe the gospel of heaven and hell? I like to say life is short. This life is so incredibly short, and eternity is long. These Indian Christians get it. And so as much as I really don't want to go there, it is a privilege It is a privilege to see 150 of them in 90 plus degree heat and to be able to teach them this and in place just some small part in encouraging them. They had incredible, encouraging them so that they'll continue on and reach a billion people. Can you, it's over a billion people right now. If they all die, they're going to hell. And to, to be able to help them do that is a huge, huge privilege. That's one of the reasons I go. I know that's why Stephen, I know that's why John went. Now, let me tell you about four girls, could I? 
I mean, the, the, as you can see, there were about 150 people there, I think. And, and there were, right, right here to my side here, there were four girls, you know. And, and, and I, I at first thought because they had the pastors, the pastor's wives, and then some of the kids came. And I thought they were probably just four bratty pastor kids, you know. You know how pastor kids can be, you know. And uh, so I'm thinking, now nah, they're here because they're forced to be here and whatnot. As it turns out, that wasn't true. They were about 17, 18, 19 years of age. The funny thing is, you, you, these Indians, they're small. The girls, they look like little China dolls. You know, you can't even tell how old they are, okay? And, and so there they are. As it turns out, they shouldn't have been there. You, what they were is four college girls. Now, first of all, getting into college is, you know, very unusual. Most of the Indians don't get to go to college. So these girls are in college. And if you don't make it to college, basically, you know, you're going to be making anywhere from 2 to $10 a day. And somehow they had heard about the conference. Now, get this. Here they are. They, they heard about this conference, okay, that these white boys were coming. White boys from America were coming. They were going to talk about the book of Ephesians. These girls, get this, they're in finals week. I mean, there's a lot on the line here because they don't do well. They get booted out of college, and they're going to be not making very much money. So let me see. What what would be your choice? Study for finals. Go to a conference hearing the book of Ephesians. You know what they chose? They chose to come to this conference. Literally, all of a sudden. And they're sitting right here in the front row. And you just say one word, and they're busy writing. I go, can I take you back? I want to take them back with me. No, I mean, incredible. That's what was there. These girls inspire. No, they inspire me. These pastors, they inspire me to be bolder. And they really helped me to understand reality and what, a, what, what, an, what, what, what an illusion we live in in America. Mind-blowing, absolutely mind-blowing what I saw in these girls and in those people. The Indian Christians remind me very quickly of Deuteronomy chapter 6. If you have your Bibles, turn with me there. We're almost finished now. If you don't, skip. Can you put it up? Here's what the Indian Christians remind me of. Deuteronomy chapter 6, starting at verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. By the way, this is not so much a statement of monotheism as people think that it is. You have to remember, this is the Israelites, this is Moses. They had just come out of really the, you know, the Egypt with all of their false gods. Do you realize that the plagues, the ten plagues, that occurred in Exodus were really God showing how he was superior to each one of the major Egyptian gods. Each plague showed God's superiority over one of the Egyptian gods. The final one, by the way, Pharaoh was supposed to be a god. And so God was saying, Pharaoh, you think you're pretty tough. You think you're a god? He showed him. He took his firstborn son. And so when you say, hero Israel, the Lord God is one. What God was saying is, he was saying to the Israel, don't ever forget. Don't ever forget, I am God. I am all you need. I'm greater than Pharaoh. I am greater than any other so-called God. I'm all you need. And then he says this. 
Love the Lord. Now listen now, watch this. This is, this, this is the Indian Christian to a T. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your heart. In other words, they're to be driving your life and my life. These commandments, what's in here, it's not just to be here, but it's literally to be in here. And it drives, it changes our lives. He says, impress them on your children. Now, look at this, verse 7. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands. Bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and your gates. Do you get the idea that Christianity, do you get the idea that God means to be a 24-7 business? See, he does. See, we go, wow, that's pretty fanatical. God's fanatical. No, no. He's not fanatical. Because, see, he's life. And, and, and you know, he does expect it 24-7. And I'm sorry, you know, we in America, we have bought the American church and that lukewarmness is Okay. It's, it's not okay. It's insipid. It's insipid. And Jesus said, I just, I just want to vomit the lukewarm prayer. That's what he said. Just, just read Luke 3. This isn't me. Or, or, or Revelation chapter 3. But you know what's so tragic about lukewarmness? What's tragic about lukewarmness is that you, as a lukewarm person, if that's what you are, see, then you'll never experience his presence. Better is one day, we, so we sing it, better is one day in his courts than a thousand elsewhere. See, as a lukewarm person, you can't experience his presence. Do you want life? Of course you did. You were made for life. I was made for life. And when you're lukewarm, you don't experience the life of God in you. People say, I want to, we, we sang about the love of God. I, I, I want to know, I want to know the love of God. Well, you can't experience the life-transforming love of, of the God of the universe, of Papa, if you're lukewarm. Not going to happen. And see, so you, you go there, and these guys don't. The, the contrast is amazing. Here we are. Well, Steve's not fat, but John and I are fat, okay? Fat, overweight Americans. We got it all. Got the money in the pocket, the bills flying out. These guys have nothing. But you know what? They got presence of God. They got joy. They got love. They got life. They got what I want. They got what you want. They really have what you and I both want. That's why I go to India. I'm going to ask you at the end, as I close here, don't waste your life. Don't waste your life on sin. You know, the reason why we sin is because we're empty. If you sin, it's because you're just empty. And, and, and so many Americans, and I'm, I'm including Christians, they're just drowning in carnality. And then they just w- waste their life on junk. And I'm saying, waste your life on Jesus. Waste your life 
on knowing the love of Jesus. Waste your life on loving his kingdom. Waste your life there. Because then you'll begin to make a difference and you'll have this energy and this life and you'll begin to develop this incredible love for people out there. Your unsaved friends, family, and coworkers. Oh, Father, I just pray, please. Let this next video just really, really speak to us. I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Skip, can you play that video? Oh, 
As we finish this last song, and I think 